Hey, hoop ballers, are you into sports betting? Do you want to know why a certain game has a funky line? Well, HoopBall has you covered. Today in sports betting is a great addition to all your handicapping questions with hosts Ira Silver and Devin Ellington. We break down game lines and future bets on all sports and try to make some money along the way. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallGaming, at Ira Silver Magic, and at D-A-L-E-007. And download Today in Sports Betting in the App Store, Google Play, and available on Spotify. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Just as quickly as we got to celebrate the start of a baseball season, we come back on this Monday morning with a baseball season in peril. After an outbreak, who the hell didn't see that one coming? But luckily, <laughs> say luckily, we're a basketball podcast, and they are in a bubble, so we do have we do have a chance, Dumb and Dumber style. So you're telling me there's a chance? I mean, here's the thing. First of all, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is a hoop ball presentation. I'm Dan Vespers. I don't want to spend that much time on the COVID stuff at the outset here, but it's it's part of every day of our existence right now and so you know you kind of you can't ignore it the Miami Marlins for those that are not following baseball closely and at this point I don't really blame you uh the Miami Marlins are dealing with a COVID outbreak on the team I think they have they had nine cases as of the last test results and of course those were from like a day and a half two days ago so they'll have another round of tests probably today and who knows how many people are then We'll have it by the time that all shakes out. So baseball's in jeopardy. And just like we talked about before, baseball was doomed. How many times on this thing did I say, I have some faith that the NBA can pull this thing off? The only way this thing works is if you put everybody in a bubble because people can't be trusted. Listen, baseball did a wonderful job, actually, of getting people ready to start their season. It was something like you know, 30 or 40 positive tests out of like, 10,000 or something crazy coming into the start of things. But then there's travel, there's shared clubhouses. All it takes in baseball is one, one misstep in anything. Actually, forget baseball. In any of these these team sports, all it takes is one mix-up, one screw-up, one minor rule-breaking, one accident you know, it's as simple as this. Look, and then we're going to segue into basketball. Baseball has 60 players maximum per team on their uh, big league roster and their, their taxi squad, they're calling it. That's 1,800 of the 30 teams for 30 teams plus staffs, and they're all on the honor system. We talked about this a thousand times on this podcast, even though we're a basketball show. Even if every one of those people, I mean, we're talking thousands, almost 2,000 just on the player side alone. They all have family they go home to. How do they all get their food? Do they order Instacart and wipe it down with disinfectant before they cook it? Are they ordering in from a restaurant? How is the food prepared at that restaurant? There's almost no, even if they were all 
like a 9 out of 10 on the paranoia scale like I am. Something is going to slip through. And so then you look at the back end of it on baseball, and they're testing every other day with results the next day in a sport where they play every day. How on earth was baseball ever going to pull this off? Even, I mean, even if they tested every day, I don't know how you pull it off because you'd have to test every day. You'd need the results back before the game that night. It'd have to be like, everybody gets up at 7 a.m. and goes to their testing, their baseball-approved testing site. They get their stuff done, and they have to have their results by like 4 p.m. when the teams are all going to get together and hang out in the clubhouse together. Like, I have no idea how baseball was going to pull it off. The only way you could pull off a non-bubble situation is if you weren't playing every day. That's the only way. You play your game. You get tested the next day at some point. You see, you play on Monday. You get tested on Tuesday. You get your results Wednesday morning, and if everybody's healthy, you play Wednesday night. And you get tested on Thursday, and if everybody's healthy, you play Friday. There's there's no way that a sport that plays every single day can get this right because the good tests do take at least 24 hours to get the results. The instant result ones have a lot of misses. But that's, I mean, that's the way you got to do it. You got to go instant one. If you get a positive in your pool style, I mean, that's like, anyway. So baseball's in trouble. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. It sounds like they're going to probably try to push through and, and maybe they can find a way to slam a lid on this, but they're going to have to cancel a bunch of games most likely. Meanwhile, yeah, I mean, look, here's, here's why I bring this all up. I'm now petrified. And I said it, I think, on Thursday's show of last week, or even Friday's. I finally had my hopes up. Baseball had started. Basketball was less than a week away. I finally started to think, man, maybe this, maybe we can figure this out. Maybe these organizations with an infinite stockpile of money can figure this out. And it looks like maybe the bubble... <sighs> we shall see, man. I'm I'm genuine. I, I went from some cautiously optimistic last week to now uh, fairly nervous about the whole thing. But look, basketball's got a better shot because they're being very strict about this, as evidenced by the Lou Williams stuff, which, by the way, listen, I don't care that it was a strip joint, a gentleman's club. Sorry, it's not a strip joint. It's a, <clears throat> a gentleman's club. I don't care that... Lou Williams got his dinner at a gentleman's club. It doesn't matter where it was. The key here is that, you know, he went someplace to get a meal. This is what humans do. I'm not picking on Lou Williams here. Could have been anyone. We don't know where Zion's been eating. Well, he's back in the bubble now. We don't know where Montrez Harrell's been eating. Right? Like, this is what you were dealing with on the baseball side, except with them, there was no... Like, this is what you have to do to get back into the game. These baseball players, they could have finished their ball game at 9 o'clock or, I don't know, if it was a day game, they finished at like 4 p.m., went home to their family, and then, you know, someone went out to the supermarket, got some stuff to grill up. Even if they took precautions, nothing is 100%.
So anyway, I belabor the point here. Uh, the point is I'm, I'm concerned. I'm nervous about all this stuff. I, I love that the NBA has been good to this point. Uh, they've been really careful. Anybody leaving... Anybody leaving the bubble in the NBA is subject to certain measures before getting back in. Um, and so even if there are these sort of mental lapses, we saw it with Rashawn Holmes getting food delivered. He had to go into quarantine. The NBA is taking this very seriously because they know if you get even one positive and you don't catch it before there's significant interaction with other people, you're done. You're done. You have to catch it beforehand. Once the, once it's in, it's in. That's what you're seeing now in the other one. There was some NBA news over the weekend, and uh, you know it was largely good, actually. Russell Westbrook played in the Rockets' scrimmage, so he's good to go. Uh, James Harden played. He's good to go. Everything, everything is sort of coming up Millhouse, with the exception of Freddie Van Vliet, who, uh, well, I guess Anthony Davis got poked in the eye. Patrick Beverly is officially back in the bubble, so he's re-quarantining now. But Freddie Van Vliet suffered a knee injury and left Sunday's, Sunday's Raptors scrimmage. Don't know. We don't know exactly the extent of it. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, if you're still dealing with your draft board, I do think you have to move him down. I would say perhaps somewhat significantly. You can't take a chance on that. Uh, Dame is day-to-day with left foot inflammation. I'm betting he's playing coming out of the shoot, but that could uh, somewhat, I think that could impact him a little bit. We had him at 22. He's got to go down from there because even if he plays, even if he's fully healthy, you can't be risking it right now if you don't know if he's going to play in their their first real game. The, the question mark is all that it takes at this point. So I would bump him down basically a full round and will likely do that as soon as I'm done recording the podcast today. So Freddie Van Fleet, he was at 22. He probably gets bumped down uh, as far as about 34-ish, somewhere in that neck of the woods, pending the outcome of this injury. Now, if, we've, if we heard good news about him in the next few hours or 24 hours or whatever, we can move him back up. Hassan Whiteside sounds like he will remain in the starting lineup. We were given all indications a couple weeks ago that Whiteside would be coming off the bench behind a combination of Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins. It sounds like the Blazers are going to start Whiteside and Nurk. So Zach Collins is is completely useless at this point now. And listen, I wasn't particularly high on his game. We had him at 99, uh, sort of in the second tier of plotter types and uh he, he drops from there also like if he's coming off the bench on this team there's just no hope for fantasy value maybe they switch that up because look i don't know how Whiteside or nurk which one of these dudes is covering quick small forward or uh, power forwards i it, it, this seems like a recipe for disaster in some capacity but look zach the point of this of this news note is for one collins he falls i think you got to move him from 99 probably down more towards 110. Uh, Nurk, I'm not moving too much. I know they're saying that he's looked pretty good so far, but listen, real NBA competition is going to hit him like a ton of bricks here. Dude hasn't played in a year and three months. That's a really big deal. I think he could be fine. 
we have him. I mean, we have him as like a seventh round guy. Uh, maybe he beats that by a little bit. And then Hassan Whiteside, we have as an, an end of the fifth round kind of guy. He probably has a chance to go a bit earlier again now with the idea that he will be starting. And that now at least guarantees him some you know mid-20s in minutes. He might not hit that 30-something minute threshold he was knocking out before the uh, return here of Nurk and Collins. But with Whiteside, if he still hits his free throws... I think you could put him back inside the top 50 and maybe you even look a tiny bit sooner than that. So we have a lot of adjustments to make to our our draft board today based on NBA news over the weekend. Like I said, a lot of this stuff this weekend was pretty good. Jonathan Isaac actually playing in the Magic scrimmage. I think you got to get him onto your draft board now. Like there's a lot, there is an absolute ton of stuff to adjust on our draft boards. And frankly, that's more fun. That's more fun than the alternative here. We're moving guys around. We're moving guys around on the draft boards. We got Jonathan Isaac, who I think right now, and we'll see how the scrimmage goes, and we'll see what they're willing to actually do with him on a workload. But look, he goes. he's on the list now. He wasn't even on the list as of two days ago. He was off at the bottom of our draft board saying, look, he's pending info on his health. Now I think you probably slot him somewhere right around the end of the really reliable guys. Because we don't know what he's going to do yet, but if your draft is going right at this moment, you're going to want to at least take a shot on him. So I, I think where you start to take the shots in this is probably in the 80s. So that's where I would put him for now. Because who knows, you know, he might play 15, 20 minutes in these ball games, and, and maybe that would be enough to get him higher than that. It, it might be. Or we don't know. Maybe these scrimmages are just a way to... to Get him some reps. Will he play in the first few games of the of the actual stuff? If he's playing in the scrimmages, I would think yes. But we don't really know for sure. So I'm moving Whiteside up. Those of you that are following along here at home, you're going to want to actually sign up for this draft board. It's uh, hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Again, it's that website. Uh, you put in your email address, so it gets emailed to you. So uh, my white side is moving up. I'm going to move Nurkic up about a half a round as well, since it looks like uh, he's going to be in there with the starting unit. Um, Zach Collins is getting moved down around. Jonathan Isaac is on the draft board now. We're going to make him kind of a seventh round type of guy. And if the news continues to get good for him, we can move him even earlier. Uh, I'm not adjusting too many other things. I mean, we might move Aaron Gordon down a little bit if he's now uh, back to exclusively playing small forward. So uh, maybe we slide him down about a half round for now, but I'm not going to make some colossal earth-shattering adjustments to his numbers either. So that's where we're at in terms of the draft board. Um, other large NBA news from over the weekend was out of New York. Eh, right? By the way, I'm not, I'm not moving Dame around. Um, I'm not moving Joel Embiid around. He, he had a calf thing um Kemba Walker played we've already adjusted him down you know there's there's a lot of NBA little NBA news is that we're not gonna uh mess around with a little bit look Lou Williams is already super low on our board so the fact that he's missing a couple of games I don't I don't know that we have to make too many large adjustments there uh it does give us a little bit of clarity with Pat Beverly coming back, uh, assuming he'll be out of a quarantine in two days, that gives him about one day to try to get his conditioning back up. I think you can still take a shot on Reggie Jackson towards the very end, very end of your resumption draft, which, by the way, 
resumption drafts are probably not going 180 players deep. You know, you're probably not going to have 10 starters and five bench guys. You're probably going to have eight starters and three bench guys or 10 starters and two bench guys or something like that. So it actually does make it even more critical that your top seven or eight guys are going to play as many games as humanly possible because it's actually going to be hard to use up all eight games at each roster slot unless you're you're going to be making pickups and drops. Uh, you got to hit your 80 games, you know? Th- that could be the difference. One game is more than 1% of your overall production in this, whereas, you know, one game out of 800, 900 games during a regular season, it's not... You can get away with missing one if you had to. It's not smart, but you could. The news out of New York is that the Knicks, and and I don't know if this is officially official official yet, but it sounds like they're closing in on a long-term deal to make Tom Thibodeau their new head coach. Tibbs, they call him, even though, right, the, the name is pronounced Thibodeau. We've, we've learned that lesson on this podcast long, long ago. And this is interesting. Because I think we need to at least consider the fantasy ramifications of Tibbs being a head coach again and whether or not he may have learned anything from his previous stints at various helms. I've seen a multitude of different reactions to the Thibodeau hiring so far. Generally, folks that have any connection to the Boston Celtics are very much for the Thibodeau hiring. Folks that have been connected to the Chicago Bulls are kind of mixed, although I think generally pro-Tibbs. And then folks that were associated with the Timberwolves have been generally anti-Tibbs. The fantasy community, I think as a whole, we are also a mixed bag because there's kind of two sides to what you get with Tom Thibodeau. Side number one, which is the positive... And the funny thing, too, by the way on the two sides of Tom Thibodeau, is they both stem from the exact same fact. That fact, and what we're wondering, will he have changed it all, is he plays his guys into the ground. He plays them into the ground. Did it in Chicago. Did it in Minnesota. Played his guys into the ground. Injuries result is the downside. Massive minute totals is the upside. Right? The upshot with with Tibbs is that if he likes you, if you're one of his guys, you're going to get to roll out there and play a whole bunch. So you can go back, you know, a couple years in, I, I don't know, what's the, I guess we could go a couple years back in Minnesota and just look at sort of the main cogs there. Cat was playing 36 minutes a game and Taj Gibson was playing 33 minutes a game, and Andrew Wiggins was playing 36 minutes a game, and Jimmy Butler was at 37 minutes a game. I believe that was his last season there. You can go back to the previous year. Ricky Rubio, 33. Gorgie Jang was playing 32. Zach Levine, 37. He got hurt. Wiggins, 37. It's very Raptors-esque from this year. Now, For whatever reason, the Raptors didn't take a whole lot of flack for it. But what they did this year was actually not that different than what Tom Thibodeau does or has done during pretty much every tenure he's had. Look at the Raptors this season. Kyle Lowry, 37 minutes a game. Freddie Van Vliet, 36. Siakam, 36. I don't think it should be surprising that these guys missed a bunch of time. 
Raptors didn't stay healthy this year, but for OG Ananobi. And Terrence Davis was also healthy this year. Everybody else on the Raptors missed a bunch of games. But you know what we did like about the Raps? When the guys were healthy enough to play, they racked up fantasy value. Lowry was number 19 on a per-game basis. Freddie Van Vliet was 25. Siakam, 35. Norman Powell, 53. Ananobi, 72. Marcus Gasol was really awful for the first four weeks of the year, but when he started clicking, he was a top 75, top 80 guy. Now, personnel does make a difference. When Tibbs was in Minnesota, he had Cat. He had Gorgie Jang, who has a really nice fantasy game. Uh, he had Andrew Wiggins, who didn't, at that point, have a, a nice fantasy game, but almost played himself into value because he was taking 19 shots a night. He had Zach Levine for part of his time there. He had Ricky Rubio for some of his time there. He was literally just piling up fantasy stats. Cat was number six. We're going back like four year, three, four years now. Rubio was top 50. Jang was right outside the top 50. We think we know Tibbs. We think we know Tibbs. But the question is, has his time away the last couple seasons changed the way he looks at players? At how he can utilize his guys? Let's look at the Knicks this year, which I know is sort of vomit-inducing. Julius Randle was, by all accounts, the only Nick playing traditional starters minutes. He averaged 32 and a half minutes a game. R.J. Barrett was the second closest at 30. So he got close. He was right on the cusp of the, uh, you know, the Marvin Thad line. Mitchell Robinson, the best fantasy player on the Knicks this year, top 55, was averaging 23 minutes a game. Alfred Payton was 28 minutes a game. Mo Harkless, late in the year, was in the 20s. Bobby Portis, low 20s. And everybody else wasn't even in the vicinity. Frank Nilakina, 21. Reggie Bullock, 24. Taj Gibson played 17 minutes a game. Kevin Knox played 18 minutes a game. Dennis Smith Jr. played 16 minutes a game for the 34 games he was healthy. Even if, even if Tom Thibodeau has made some adjustments to the way he values and utilizes players, things will look different on the Knicks next year. Not so much because of personnel, because almost the entire Knicks roster is either signed or the Knicks have a team option for the coming 2020-2021 campaign. Julius Randle is signed for next year at $19 million. Uh, Non-guaranteed $8 million on Alfred Payton. They'll probably take that. R.J. Barrett, he's a couple more years. Various team options and what have you. This is He's in there. Wayne Ellington has an $8 million team option. I'm guessing they'll probably let that expire, given teams just won't make as much money next year. If uh, I'm guessing fans probably still won't be back in the arena, at least until midseason, if not later. Uh, Nilakina signed. Dennis Smith is signed. Kevin Knox is signed. Reggie Bullock, small, non-guaranteed contract. They'll probably just keep it. 
Mitchell Robinson, they'll go ahead and they'll guarantee that, and then he's got a team option the following year. The Mo Harkless is is effectively the only money that's truly coming off the books. His eleven and a half million dollar deal was expiring. There's no options, no nothing. He's a a true free agent. Same with Damian Dodson. Bobby Portis's $16 million team option, if the Knicks are wise, they will not pick that up. No way he's making $16 million on the open market right now. Taj Gibson at $10 million seems like the kind of guy that they might let that go and then try to re-sign him because he's a Tibbs guy. But here's the thing. One thing we do know for sure, if you just look at the players that are almost definitely going to be there next year, Julius Randle will definitely be there. R.J. Barrett will definitely be there because he's their their young guy that presumably they're going to be trying to grow in this weird thing. I don't know what they're going to do with Kevin Knox because, you know, first-round pick that hasn't looked that great so far in, in two seasons. I don't know what they're going to do with guys like Nilakina and Dennis Smith Jr., but I would venture to say they'll probably uh, guarantee the $8 million Alfred Payton contract, and he'll probably be their starting point guard next year provided they don't bring someone else in. If they let Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis, and Wayne Ellington come off the books, along with Mo Harkless, who is definitely coming off the books, the Knicks end up somewhere in about the 74, uh, no, excuse me, about the 70-ish million dollar range. High 60s, low 70s. So they do have a little bit of wiggle room, you know, if anybody were to actually want to go play for the Knicks right now. Who they give that to, I haven't a clue. Their roster remains deeply goofball. But if they let all that money come off the books, Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle end up as the starting front court. Alfred Payton ends up as your starting point guard. R.J. Barrett is probably playing shooting guard in that lineup, if I had to guess. And then small forward, who knows? Reggie Bullock, Kevin Knox... Our possibilities, um, that's probably, those are probably your two choices. So they'll probably bring someone else in. The wing seems like a particularly weak area, and then they'll need depth. But let's say you're Tom Thibodeau, and you're looking at that mess. By the way, the Knicks are actually positioned relatively well for the following offseason. If anybody were to actually go there, they have almost nothing on the books following this coming season. But this coming season is the first one we're going to be making our calls on. We'll get some more clarity on this as the offseason progresses. But look, the next season is done. They're not in the bubble, so we can actually start to make assessments of what we think is going to go down right now. What do I think is going to happen with Julius Randle? Well, I think he's actually going to be a tiny bit of a value next year. Maybe. Eh, amend that. He may do a little bit more. He may get a tiny bit more run. I just can't imagine he'll start as awfully as he did this year. Alfred Payton, with a starting job all season, could be a top 100 guy. You know, he's about 125 because of the limitations of his fantasy game. He could be okay. I think Randall will be, I think Julius Randall will be a top 75 guy next year. I don't know that I trust R.J. Barrett. He has some massive deficiencies in his game. You know, he played 29, 30 minutes a game this year and was still, you know, outside the top 200. I don't trust Reggie Bullock if you throw him in there. And I know there's a lot of jokes and we're having some fun. But even if Taj Gibson gets signed, he's, he's not playing 30 minutes anymore. He's too old. He's too old. 
I think you have to like the the prospect of Mitchell Robinson finally getting some ample playing time. You have to. He could be a steal next year. So I like the Knicks to some degree. I think they could end up being not a good fantasy team, but I think Randall could be fine. I think Robinson should be pretty good. Peyton can be your late, late, late round point guard. That probably ends up getting drafted too early anyway. Uh, and then the other guys you most likely leave on the shelf unless we get word that someone else is coming in on this club. Hmm. So relatively interesting stuff. Their defense will have to get better. <laughs> I mean, I, right? I don't know. I guess what I look at with this New York team is you're probably looking at a futures wager. Maybe on the over. Like, could they really get any worse? Tibbs is not going to be okay with them not playing hard at the very least. We know that about him. He is a defensive whiz kid. He's not a kid anymore. They couldn't, I just, you know, they actually did play a tiny bit better under Mike Miller. Not that Mike Miller, you know, the other Mike Miller. I don't know, guys. I just, I like when things are going down. We got stuff to talk about. This is, this is, it's fantasy relevant, even if it's a little bit far off in the distance. I had plans today of going through some of the other results of the resumption league draft we did a, a speed first 48 on friday uh, thursday and we have all of the results now and i gotta tell you guys and i'm not gonna go through them today because we're already we're already a half an hour into the podcast and if i did that it, it would not only use up all the content we have for, for the rest of the, the the week uh but also the show would end up running a little bit long so we'll we'll do that later but one thing i will say in looking at the uh, the results of this most recent draft is that it seems like the diehard players are actually prepping for this more than some of the uh, industry folks that I'm guessing maybe just aren't really doing it. Like folks maybe that have multiple sports going on. They're getting into baseball now, and I can't really blame them. That Well, you know, baseball might be over in a week, but you're looking at something that has a the a full season happening as opposed to basketball, which is this eight-day thing. Or eight games and 15 days thing, whatever you want to call it. And so, I, you know, kudos, by the way, is what I'm saying here. Kudos. I've been thinking a lot, too, and this is the last segment we'll have uh, on today's podcast. We're not done yet. The I've been thinking a lot about how to bet on some of this stuff. And we did a future show early last week on this uh, resumption campaign. I've been thinking a lot about how to bet on the individual games. I think that on a game-to-game basis, betting on these resumption leagues is an extremely dicey proposition, but there are likely areas where you can find a little bit of hay. There, there's, a certain, there's a certain correlation with betting on preseason games. Right? Like, I know they're scrimmaging right now. And so, you know, you're not technically betting on a preseason game if you bet on ones that count for something. But there is that feel to it where guys are still getting ramped up. They're going to be teams that have something to prove and teams that don't. And that's probably the way you're looking. The question I have, and because this is such an unprecedented situation, the question I have is 
how much of that stuff is going to be baked into the betting lines. Meaning, because these games are largely going to be getting wagered on by the diehards of the NBA community, don't you also feel like those people, those diehards, are aware of what teams are likely going to be resting players or playing guys fewer minutes or not super concerned about their wins and losses during this eight-game resumption? And so then the line, unless you get opening line, but who the hell of us among us can actually do that every day, unless you get that that opening number before it gets bet into at all, don't you feel like a lot of that's already going to be cooked into the line? But we're going to be watching this as well. I mean, I'm going to be, we'll we'll do some line analysis there, That's because I know not everybody is going to be doing fantasy stuff. Today in sports betting, those guys are going to be covering it as well. And it also segues into a note here and a really big deal I've been telling you guys a lot about Manscaped, and uh, I do, I definitely still want you guys doing that. So uh, they get a slightly shorter read today. Manscaped.com, the promo code over there is HoopBall20. Keep getting their amazing lawnmower and other products. You guys have done great so far. Let's keep that rolling. But the big note today is that we have renewed our partnership with MyBookie. You guys might remember we were promoing MyBookie back in January and February before sports shut down. Well, we're back up and running now that sports are back. My bookie is also back, and we're back with them with an even better deal. You might remember in January we had a 50% deposit match. They have increased it now to 100%, a full deposit match. Whatever you put into your account, they will match it, plus they'll give you a free $10 voucher you can use on a baseball futures wager And all you have to do to get all of that good stuff is use the promo code HOOPBALL. No 20 on this one. That one's for Manscaped. This is just the promo code HOOPBALL. One word, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. That's your promo code. They have up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams. The NBA bubble is starting. This is the time to dig in. We'll bet the playoffs, too. Uh, We'll bet some football as the season rolls along. I I mean, this is going to make this stuff a whole heck of a lot more interesting if you don't have fantasy going. We do, but, you know, you get it. Again, 100% deposit match, $10 free MLB futures wager. All you got to do is sign up at mybookie.ag with promo code HOOPBALL. Remember, at mybookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. That's mybookie. You can even go to mybookie.com. I believe it'll auto-forward you to the... The actual website, it's mybookie.ag. You can expect us to be talking about them a lot. This is a fantastic partnership for us here at HoopBall. Uh, so anytime you guys go out and you want to sign up and get things going, let us know. We'll shout you out on Twitter. We'll shout you out to MyBookie so they can thank you. Uh, and then they'll be upset that you did when you take their money. Let's go win some house cash. That's it. Today's pod, we're done. Uh, I'm Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. Hoopball is hoop-ball.com. Check out some of those sweet site upgrades. And do check out DFS Today. That's another big piece of the puzzle here with the return of the NBA season. Mike Patria is leading a brilliant team of DFSers. There's five of them now putting their heads together to get the best of the best of the best for you. That is DFS Today, the name of the podcast. Uh, that was running all season long, but that's back also, and we're really excited. They're putting out a show every single night once this resumption season gets going. Have a wonderful Monday, everybody. Back tomorrow, we'll break down some more results of the resumption draft, provided no other large things break in the NBA community. They might. We'll break them down, too. Anyway, 
doesn't matter. Whatever happens, we'll talk to you because that's how it goes. See you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.